0: Yeah, turn that up. This could take yeah, let me just crank that for you. Think I need a to help me get
1: right. So we were expecting to have had the first uh, NFL football game already.
0: The first uh, fake football game. That it's
1: still is. an NFL football game. It is. Uh,
0: you need to specify, I feel.
1: Unfortunately, uh, that was actually, it was paused and then canceled entirely because of safety issues on the field. So uh, being that it's August 9th, on August 11th, which is Thursday, we're going to have the first preseason game.
0: So less than 48 hours from now, about 45 hours from now, they'll kick off.
1: That's pretty exact. Yeah, I see that. But (laughs) welcome to the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Show, and uh, I'm out there searching for for a snazzier name, so if anybody thinks of anything, we'll give you credit for it and send you some nice little knickknack that you can call your own. Because if it wasn't your own, then you'd be stealing it from someone. And we, we don't uh, appreciate that or take kindly to that around here. We don't take kindly. Uh, anyway, uh, this is uh, Dave Cross from me. It's Jason. And drink5.com is our uh, homeland where we're going to be providing a lot of information with our staff over the fantasy year. Uh, we last week just did a show about fantasy draft strategy. So I do suggest you check out that article at drink5.com. If you need something to lean on or you just want someone to uh, agree or disagree with you, which a lot of people do. They're just, they're looking for someone to, uh, to say yay or nay to what they think. And most people's drafts are going to be coming up in mid to late August or early September. So now is the time to really beef up on that info.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm very excited for draft time. We have two drafts coming up this weekend, uh, several more drafts as the month goes on and uh, a bunch of drafts then as you get right into September, you know, a lot of leagues uh, like to draft at the very end to sort of give everyone the best advantage of, you know, drafting a good roster. And um, I'm okay with that as long as like it's a league that is going to be paying attention anyways. Uh, You know, I I do totally get how it's much harder to do things if you do it early in the season and you have more chance for injury and stuff like that. Um, So it's up to, you know, Oh, which one do you prefer, Dave? Do you prefer to draft early on to make it more difficult for people, or do you think that well, you say, September you say, draft is
1: good? You say difficult or easier, and, and, and really what that means is the people that, that aren't paying attention, that don't know as much information, it's easier for them. It's better for them the people like us and, and like a lot of people that listen to this program are smarter and uh, more knowledgeable and have a wider knowledge base in general about the NFL and their fantasy leagues. So if you are able to draft earlier, that's a that's a benefit to you.
0: But isn't it don't you still have that same benefit late in the year? Wouldn't you still have that? Just you know, you would just be that much more knowledgeable?
1: No, because at that point everything's saturated. They've been talking about fantasy on the NFL network for like four weeks. You know, uh, everyone who has, uh, who was sort of a sleeper who had yet to rise up in the rankings has now gotten to where they're going to be. Uh, so if you were able to draft at the beginning of August, for example, like this week, there's a lot of people that you could draft that people uh, are, don't have any idea about, or uh, they, they don't think will come rise out of the ashes or are currently injured, for example. Um, and so their ADP is kind of uh, uh, takes a hit. So I think it's always better for the more knowledgeable person to draft earlier in in the season.
0: All right. Well, I uh, I can see where you go, where you go on that. Um, I don't mind. I I still like drafting at the end of the season, though.
1: Do you just not want to have injured players to start? Right. I I hate
0: that. <laughs> it sucks. And it's fine if nobody has it. Like you know, then it's a little bit more of an even playing field, I suppose.
1: Well, it's it's that old argument or discussion about. Uh, if you're making things more like the NFL, like if you're in a dynasty league or, or a keeper league, and you want to draft more towards the NFL draft, then you also have to suffer those same consequences of a real NFL team, where you have a large period of time, you know, where where people could get injured, and uh, the same thing happens on your team because you just you have that big period of time that stuff can happen in. Um, but it's you're not more likely to have. Uh, uh, people injured on your team if you draft earlier, right? As opposed to later. You just get them injured at a different time timeline. Um, like, if, I'd almost rather have someone injured before they start the season than get injured in week one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can find a replacement for them easier. I exactly, suppose. yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I would say that if you draft early, earlier in the season, you just statistically have a higher present chance to have an injury on your team No, I mean everyone it's Because your team is together longer
1: I mean everyone is equally likely to have the same chance of injury regardless. Everyone
0: in the league you're playing in, yes and, and, so, and as long as you're playing in a level playing field, you know, that's fine
1: Yeah, like I don't want to draft in uh, in July And and Mike, who also plays in that league, gets to draft in August Like that that, stuff, <laughs> that one's not fair
0: I want to draft after I see what your draft is
1: Although I would totally do that Because that means he can't take any of the players that I already took So that that Bobby's not going to have a good time drafting <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to uh, get back on subject, let's talk about uh, the beers that we're currently drinking. Um, and so I think I'm, I've got a revolution in the glass at the moment. And on deck is a Pipeworks Brewing uh, beer called uh, Lil was Lil Citra. Session India Pale Ale. And, and uh, citrus infused in IPAs has been like the new hotness in the past year or two. And uh, I like it. But i got to tell you, I've had so many. I I don't know. I've been buying a lot of them, and
0: I know that we've had a bunch of them on the podcast. I grabbed a four pack of these uh, because we're going camping, sure, or you know, to cottage over the weekend. Um, And I do believe you're drinking an all day IPA, right? Yeah, see one earlier.
1: It's a Founder's All Day IPA. Yeah, you're right. Also a
0: favorite uh, when you go, you know, away for a weekend.
1: Absolutely. Um, So yeah, like I said before, uh, I do want you guys to listen to that particular podcast. Uh, from last week about fantasy football strategy, and it's available on Stitcher and iTunes and on our site, drink5.com. Uh, it's archived in a number of ways if you want to hear it. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about going through the, the teams in the AFC. Um, so there's 16 teams there and what what changes that they have gone through in the offseason, uh, good or bad, mostly on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not going to talk too much about uh, defense uh, or management, obviously, because that's not... Entirely relevant to us, but there are certain positions that are, um, you know, like uh, for example, and this is this is unrelated to the to the AFC, right? Because the Saints are an NFC team. That's true. But uh, they they just picked up John Kuhn from the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. and so even though he might not have an impact in redraft fantasy leagues, he's still a good blocker, which might help out Mark Ingram and the running offense in general. So sure, but that's, you know
0: the Packers don't really. When the Packers get rid of somebody, they usually don't have much left. I can't think of many free agents that have left the Green Bay and done a lot of good things.
1: Okay, well, I'm just I'm pointing out, you know, some of those those guys that we might talk about that aren't necessarily draftable for you, but should could influence the uh, could influence the team in a positive way. So uh, let's just crack in, unless you have something else to talk about before we start.
0: No, go for it. Um, you know, I know that we'll get to RG three because he's in the AFC. <laughs>
1: Uh it, it's it's funny because we're in a dynasty league together and so of course when you have someone on your dynasty team you you get um attached to them either either for good for or bad ways. Or worse. <laughs> yeah, so he hasn't been very helpful to you but but he may this year but well, we'll talk about I him a little. I sat on bit.
0: him for a whole year as he was not a starter and he didn't play at all and I kept him on my roster and it might pay off. <laughs> it still just might pay off.
1: We'll yeah. See. Well, we'll talk about Cleveland as much as I don't want to, as a Steelers fan. What we will, um, but let's let's start with the uh, AFC East. So I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills. Let's go over the team a little bit. Percy Harvin retired from football. Not that it would directly Im- impact your fantasy team these days, because he uh,
0: he didn't directly any in- impact any teams for quite a
1: while. He he did okay when he was first in the league, but yeah, for for whatever reason, he was just really never able to turn that uh, uh, to eleven and keep it turned there. Uh, they've signed Reggie Bush just recently, but he's really only depth at running back, kick returner role. So he's not going to be um, uh, impactful unless something happens to Lashawn McCoy uh, and the other uh, depth at running back. We've got Carlos Williams, who's suspended for a couple of games, and in his stead, uh, there is another running back who had filled in previously. I think a little bit last year, Mike Gillisley. But, yeah, and so. He actually um, did decently, I believe, when he filled in. But he's not—he's kind of inconsequential as long as LaShawn McCoy stays healthy. Uh, he should be pretty good. I think that the offense is generally dominated by LaShawn McCoy and Sammy Watkins, and it should continue to be moving forward. Um, something to talk about is another acquisition is Leonard Hankerson. He was uh, He was acquired... Uh, just recently as well. And Robert Woods was graded by uh, Pro... Uh, I think it's called Pro fa- uh, Fantasy Football, something like that. Now I can't remember. It's PFF. But they, they grade people like wide receivers or defensive positions on a scale. Um, he, he finished at almost one of the uh, last possible positions for wide receiver. So he graded out terribly last year. And Leonard Hankerson is currently uh, a starter for the team. And in fact, he could move up to the number two position and that would actually make him fantasy relevant. You remember what team he was on last year?
0: Leonard Hankerson was on the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh,
1: yeah, so, so we saw him actually do pretty well when there was a whole bunch of people out and injured. Uh, but that's what it takes for some of these guys to actually get in there. And Tyrod Taylor looks to be the franchise quarterback moving forward. A bunch of experts, including me, are putting some chips on another good year for oh, him. Uh, so I think that he'll... Uh, he was
0: on more than just the Falcons.
1: On the Redskins too, right? No,
0: he was on Buffalo and then New England. He just, he traveled. And now he's back to Buffalo. He
1: traveled all over the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I like Tyrod Taylor. Uh, he did really well last year. For a while he was the number one quarterback in fantasy. And it's interesting that that was the case considering that he didn't really have that many weapons. It's just that his weapons are really good. And when that team is clicking and the defense is doing well... Then he's going to do really well himself. He's got legs. He scored some rushing touchdowns. Your opinion on Tyrod Taylor? Do you think that he'll uh, end up being in the in the top ten or nearby the top ten quarterbacks this year?
0: I do think so. He has uh, lots of talent. Um, he's going to have to probably uh, learn a little bit more at the quarterback position and get better at throwing the ball and rely a little bit less on running around. Um, you know, it seems like only Cam Newton can sustain that. To be honest with you, so um, I think that uh, he has shown that he can play the position. He can score you lots of fantasy points, which is the only thing we we really care about. So uh, top ten, I think he can pull off easily.
1: And then Charles Clay is starting again at tight end, but he we had a lot of hype for him and a lot of. Uh... Um, Well, I wanted him to do well. And they they paid a lot of money for him. He's a guy that can play halfback, wide receiver, tight end. He could do pretty much anything. But uh, the game plan in Buffalo really proved to not be working for him. And he's not a very attractive prospect anymore because the only people that score points on that team are the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. And pretty much just those three and nobody else. So whoever those people are on that team are the ones that get the points. They're not like a... um, like a Green Bay Packers or like a New England Patriots, yeah. Offense there, there's there's, there's three
0: fantasy you could say almost heavyweights at this point, or fantasy like guys who are very noticeable who are pretty much every week starters. Well, all three guys could be team. top
1: ten at the end of the year, so uh, it is a good offense, but they have no depth after that. Is the problem right? Um. So so Buffalo, they were uh, they were eight and eight last year, and they're in a, in. A division with the Dolphins and the Patriots and the Jets. So where so, do we go next? So we're going to talk about the Dolphins. And so let's, let's talk about the loss of Lamar Miller in free agency, which was surprising to a lot of people, especially because they later, they wanted to grab a couple running backs, obviously tried to get C.J. Anderson and a couple of other backs, and they kept getting scooped up from under their nose. So they did end up signing uh, in the past couple weeks, Arian Foster, And it looks like they're going to make him their starter or share the reps uh, as a part of a committee with Jay Ajayi. And Ajayi has always showed a lot of promise, but doesn't really seem to to be a sturdy enough guy to handle the the three downs. So uh, odds are, in my opinion, that Foster and Ajayi have some kind of committee. Foster will probably outplay him and end up with 60% of the snaps.
0: If Foster stays healthy, I suspect he'll have even more. He'll probably get, like, 70%. 70%. They'll you know, they'll, well, they'll ride him hard for a year or two
1: well, if he's going to stay healthy. The latest news has Ajayi as the starter, but it is the preseason. So uh, yeah. we, we will see what happens there. But regardless, even if it is 70-30, it will be somewhat of a committee. And I agree that Foster should lead it because he's a more talented um, and more experienced back. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has some buzz with the new coach, Adam Gase. Who recently helped Jay Cutler to kind of get out of the dog uh, the dog pile the the what, what's the dog the, pile what's the what's the dog house the dog house yeah
0: well the dog house is you're there because someone put you there
1: fine well wh- where was Jay Cutler do you tell me oh I don't know he was like lost <laughs> <laughs> he was he was somewhere he shouldn't be and uh, Gase did help him to climb out of that especially uh, he he did well in in statistics even though his team was sort of falling all around him and being injured. You know, for a while last year, there was nobody for him to throw to.
0: That's true. I mean, he (laughs) lost Alshon Jeffrey pretty early, and it was ineffective most of the year. Um, But, you know, his numbers weren't that great either. He played 15 games, only had 21 touchdowns. You know, it, the, the
1: past two years, he's had some of his best statistics, and then we're talking about that as far as uh, a lower amount of interceptions, a higher you know uh, uh, pass average, etc.
0: Yeah, lower interceptions. You got that uh, high yardage for sure. Last year, he had most career touchdowns, but at twenty-eight, you know, is your most career touchdowns. You need to. Uh, you need to do better than that in this NFL.
1: Well, we're not specifically talking about Cutler here, but but you must admit that a lot of quarterbacks don't hit their stride until they do become you know late twenties. So, well, he's
0: thirty. He'll be thirty three this year.
1: Or uh, thirty three is when they hit their stride. All oh, right. <laughs> I've never been yes, a, J, a Jay Cutler fan. It. I'm only saying that. Uh, but Ryan Tannehill, this is his fifth year, and I was talking about Cutler, not Tannehill. But I do. Uh, Tannehill has done really well And he never had Adam Gase before as someone to help him He had a coach that was terrible A coach that uh, You know, was was fired A coach that was on hard knocks And everyone laughed at Yeah, I mean Well,
0: you know It's it's Jake Hutler What are you going to do?
1: Uh, I'm talking about Ryan Tannehill now. Uh, Regardless, uh, he has some pretty good weapons at his disposal. So Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, they could both be standouts under the right circumstances. Jordan Cameron is not going to have success because he hasn't had it. The scheme doesn't seem to value the tight end position. They didn't really even pass him the ball at all. Um, And Jordan Cameron is a really talented tight end. We've seen him do well in other offenses. But I just don't think that this offense... Uh, And that could change now with Gase. But I don't think this offense is going to be interested in the tight end. It seems like an offense that's going to concentrate now on uh, flinging the ball down the field and giving the ball to Arian Foster.
0: Well, Gase did like to use uh, Martellus Bennett. So there may be a chance for Jordan Cameron, but I don't see him as being draftable. He'll be a guy that uh, gets yanked off the waiver wires once he starts producing, if that ever happens.
1: Could be. So New England Patriots, uh, Tom Brady's four-game suspension for Deflate Gate is now imminent. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take the reins for the first quarter of the season. That's uh, the first four games, not the first uh, 15 minutes. (laughs) Uh, By all accounts, Garoppolo has been performing well in training camp, and so there probably won't be any major concerns about starting Julian Edelman or Rob Gronkowski on your fantasy team, which is probably all you're going to start anyway. Uh, because the biggest issue with the Patriots has always been and will continue to be the running back position. A lot of people won't even take a running back, you know, regardless of, of what they're interested in doing there. Because Garrett Blunt, Dion Lewis, James White, Donald Brown, Brandon Bolden, there's too many of them and they're too unpredictable. So people are leaning towards taking Blunt and Lewis, sure, but Lewis has some uh, injury concerns. Uh Blunt is someone who is almost never used in a passing back situation or a hurry-up offense.
0: Yeah, you never know how the game's going to go. It, it could be all Deion Lewis or all the Garrett Blunt from one week to another.
1: Or it might be neither of them. Yeah. So the point is uh, that that's always going to be a tough situation for, for people that are playing a member of the backfield in New England. And my advice is generally just to stay out of it. Because Deion Lewis is... Uh, is going to go uh, at a decent ADP, I'm assuming. And people really like him, especially in PPR, because he gets a whole bunch of passes from the backfield. But there may be games where he scores three points. And it's not something you're going to want as a cons- from a consistency standpoint. Um, but yeah, I think Blunt and Lewis are the guys that might do well. And Blunt's probably going to have another two or three touchdown game because that's just how it is as a goal line back. They're not <laughs> going to try to shove Lewis in there. They're going to put Blunt in when that needs to happen.
0: In games where the Patriots go up early quickly, Blunt's going to get twenty plus
1: carries. Yeah, problem is you can't start your players after you've already you know watched half the game. So uh, most of the time, anyway. Former Chicago Bear Martellus Bennett, we just talked about him, and he was uh, also signed, and to be honest, uh, Bennett may be the first of the Aaron Hernandez replacements that actually has a shot at being fantasy relevant, because he has done pretty well in the teams that he's been on before, and we're hearing a lot about this two tight end set standard, especially because there's issues with Danny Amendola, the uh, Patriots don't really have a third wide receiver, they got this guy Chris Hogan, but he's having injury concerns, and he's... He's not really, uh, you know, anything special.
0: They signed Nate Washington as well,
1: and that's nothing as well. You know, <laughs> that's that's an old veteran sign, right? I mean, you, you drop he drops from other yeah. teams, and doesn't really do very much.
0: And Julian Edelman had an injury scare today,
1: but it looks like he'll be fine. Uh, yeah. So, so basically, if, if they don't have the receivers, and all they have is Gronkowski and Edelman, uh, and Amendola occasionally catching a pass or two, then it's it's pretty likely in my book. That they're gonna take this guy. Think about who they had before, like Scott Chandler. Everyone's like, yeah, he's gonna Aaron Hernandez it. Well, he never really showed any uh, any substantial talent except to be a red zone threat on Buffalo for for a year or two, and he never caught a bunch of just regular passes. But Martellus Bennett has a good experience with that on the Giants and on the Bears. So here's a guy who's pretty athletic, uh, already known as a move tight end. Um, you know, has a nickname, the Black Unicorn. Uh, he could he could fit in there pretty well actually with if he can get along with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Bill Belichick so we'll see um, but if you're gonna toss the dice that's not a bad one especially because uh, in the first four games you're not gonna have Brady and tight ends are like bread and butter for you know inex- inexperienced quarterbacks that's right uh, your thoughts on the Patriots at all. Um, you know, I don't think that
0: they're going to stumble too much with Garoppolo starting. Bill Belichick knows what the hell he's doing. He knows how to uh, replace Tom Brady. In fact, he may use this as an opportunity to show that he can replace Tom Brady. But, of course, uh, Tom Brady is the starter, and there's going to be no question about that. And he will scoff at you and think less of you uh, as if that was possible, um, if you were to ever suggest that to his face. <laughs> so, you know... Um, don't worry too much about the main guys producing while he's gone. Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski. Um, I am not sure what Martellus Bennett is going to work out to. That I want to see once Tom Brady is playing. So I don't think I think I'll stay away from Martellus Bennett this year.
1: Well, that's that's a fine thing to do. Unfortunately, the the problem there is that a lot of times you can't pick up a player like that once they start doing well. So if you have a deep roster, it's a it's you should always have like a flyer or two in your back pocket that you kind of rotate in and out and see what's happening. Uh, but as, as far as who that is, you can certainly stay away from him. Uh, I might not pick him up personally, but he is a guy that there is dice being rolled for uh, New York Jets. Ryan Fitzpatrick finally recently signed a contract with the Jets management for a one year deal after a really long offseason standoff. It looked for a while like they might end up signing someone else. Um, It's a good thing for the offense in general because wide receivers Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker are a lot more valuable with a guy like Fitzpatrick who can sling the ball downfield than someone like Geno Smith or Bryce Petty, who are the other available options on the Jets roster. And they keep saying good things about Geno Smith, but it's like these guys don't watch the tape.
0: They only say good things about Geno Smith when they're trying to give Ryan Fitzpatrick less money.
1: Well, (laughs) that's the only time. you know, it wasn't even about the money. He just wanted, he wanted, well, he wanted money, but he wanted one year. He wanted to be there for only one year. Yeah. And they kept trying to sign him for, like, a two- or three-year deal and lock him up. If Fitzpatrick has any chance at all of making more money in the NFL, it's after this season. Getting signed uh, to to a team that has just complete shit at quarterback uh, for another couple years to end his career.
0: Yeah, I think he's willing to go do that for, like, a lot of money. And why the hell not?
1: Right, exactly. He's
0: a, he's a smart Harvard man.
1: Uh, more of the same for the Jets than in 2016, except for the signing of Matt Forte, who will probably end up splitting carries with Bilal Powell. Uh, Forte is uh, entering into the twilight of his career. A lot of people think that he might have kind of broken down already, which is why he had those injuries concerns and why they, he wasn't being played on the Chicago Bears. Uh, we'll see. I like Bilal Powell, actually. Um, but I think that Forte will, they'll, they'll, use him as much as they possibly can because they think that this year they have a chance of getting deep in the playoffs.
0: I think that they'll, uh, use Forte as a split at best. He's going to get maybe 50% of the carries. Uh, I see Bilal Powell getting a lot of work and if Bernard Pierce is effective, he'll get some work, but you know, they like Bilal Powell there. He's been there for years. He knows the system well. Um, he'll get more work than he has in the past, I think.
1: Well, they signed Kyrie Robinson from the Saints, so he would be the third guy. Oh, yeah,
0: he's buried on the depth chart on this page I'm seeing. I am just I just saw his name.
1: Yeah, um, but we'll see. It, it all depends on who comes out and, and is the, the more effective ball carrier at the beginning of the year. Uh, but yeah, Bilal Powell certainly has proved himself to be decent, and we know that there's some running room on the Jets with a good offensive line. And I mean, Chris Ivory was awesome. Uh, so either one of those guys could end up being a top 10, uh, certainly top 15 running back, but only if they end up getting the majority of the carries and not if they're splitting it because that just, it really slices through fantasy value. Uh, tight end Jason Samaro is another guy that I like as kind of a, a little sleeper pick. He was injured the entire 2015 season, but he did really well as a rookie, and he's arguably a name to consider for a top 10, low top 10 tight end position because they don't have anyone else, um, and they're going to end up throwing the ball all over the place in that offense with Fitzpatrick. So I do see him doing pretty well, even if pretty well is uh, 800 yards and six or seven touchdowns. That could be like the end of or the of the top ten or or the yeah uh, that
0: could be top ten tight end easily beginning of the end so I see that
1: beginning of the end
0: this <laughs> is beginning of the end for the Jets if they have to rely on Jason Morrow, let's be honest
1: I, he's a he's a new guy man he he was actually really hyped in 2015 because of the 2014 season <clears> he was a rookie but. I think what happens is this is a disorder, right, among fantasy football people and NFL people. When someone is out for a whole season, especially early in their career, you kind of dismiss them.
0: Uh, it certainly happens. And that's
1: why their ADP goes down so far, and that's why a lot of these people are considered sleepers, because you're like, well, what did they do? They didn't do anything. Well, that, they, they had the opportunity to. So, you know, a, a second-year guy almost always outperforms his first-year stats. A third-year guy is when they usually break out. But when someone doesn't have a second-year... Then it's totally up in the air. Yeah. Next day. Uh, we're gonna talk about the AFC North. So AFC right. North and the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Steelers. Uh, if uh, anyone else has anything to chime in with in the chat room, etc., please. Go ahead and do so. If you are just tuning in, we are the Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast, and drink5.com is where you can find all the articles and other podcasts, uh, you know, related to this year's news and updates and strategy and draft uh, information. So, uh, starting with the Baltimore Ravens, they were five and eleven last season. Uh, so that's dangerously close to Cleveland Browns territory at three and thirteen, right?
0: Oh man, you're closer than you know than you're comfortable. with.
1: Sure. So sorry, Browns fans, you know, uh, but Joe Flacco and company might have a slightly brighter future this year. Uh, if the chips fall into the right place. The problem is the organization has all these issues. I mean, they have seven tight ends on their roster right now, seven. And that's because they just picked up Ben Watson <laughs> because they couldn't pick a starting tight end from the group they already had of six. It's probably going to end up being Ben Watson. So they signed another one. So they have seven tight ends. Why would they be stocking up on tight ends when they don't have any running back and wide receiver talent that, that's that's going to be out there starting either? They, they don't got, have
0: any wide receiver talent.
1: Let's talk about uh, the running backs. They have Justin Forsett, Buck Allen, and Terrence West, among others. One of those three guys will be the starter. Uh, the, the news has gone back and forth between Justin Forsett and Terrence West. We'll see what happens. Now, a lot of people know about Terrence West, who was originally, I think, on the, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and he uh, was a guy who was competing for carries, but he was just not caring enough. He wasn't running, um, you know, wasn't really running the plays like he should. Um, and it looks like after he got cut from the team he was originally on, re-signed by the Baltimore Ravens, and now he's really trying to do what he can in camp to become a, uh, a starter again. Now, we know Justin Forsett has done well in the past and could do well again, but he's not a star, um, and running behind a Baltimore Ravens offensive line is not the greatest thing in the world. Um, Buck Allen, Javorius I think is his first name uh, has filled in and done okay because if a running back is thrust into the mix with 80% of the carries they're going to have points but he does also doesn't look like any kind of all-star so right now for me it's kind of a flip of the coin which one of those guys ends up starting at the beginning of the season
0: this is definitely one of those situations where you'll learn more as they play preseason games once they've played the third game it'll kind of be obvious who the starter is
1: yeah, and wide receivers, we have Kamar Aiken, Mike Wallace, Brashad Perryman, and Chris Moore. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens still have Steve Smith, but he's 37 years old, had a double rupture of the Achilles, and I don't even know if he's going to have any kind of spark when he comes back. I can't guarantee that he'll even be the number one wide receiver because a double Achilles rupture at 37 does not does not seem good to me.
0: It doesn't sound like the thing that you bounce back from for a Cinderella retirement season.
1: Well, especially considering Steve Smith is like, He's a you know short in stature guy that excelled because he was one really tenacious and two he had uh, like he had a lot of speed breakaway speed you know uh, jumping ability all that could be a problem with uh, this Achilles injury so if if he's not able to to come back and be the Steve Smith of old which uh, the old part is is certain but the other part's not uh, Kamara Aiken he will probably end up being. Uh, their their best guy and kamara aiken he was averaging 10 targets a game with uh, 80 or 100 yards he was solid last year at the end of the year when he had to fill in for steve smith he was a great play every game and he'll continue to do that i think mike wallace has not really proved anything to us recently brashad perryman's another one of those guys that i talked to you about before uh he didn't play at all last year like he got injured at the beginning of the year so we have no idea what he can do. He he was a rookie that had a lot of promise, and who knows? Yeah, there was a lot of news about him. There was a lot
0: of hype, a lot of hope, and we never saw
1: him. And then Chris Moore is a rookie this year. He, I think he's a fourth rounder or something. Yep. And, and so all these guys are really up in the air, not really proven, with the exception of Wallace, who's now kind of a, an aging uh, veteran who can catch a couple deep balls. I don't really expect
0: Wallace to do much, you know. So 600 yards and three touchdowns maybe
1: So the answer is uh, Kamara Aiken is probably your receiver to choose And Kamara Aiken is going at a, an ADP of very low So here's another guy that, you know, if you need some wide receivers late A uh, guy that can be your wide receiver, um, wide receiver 3-4 But might end up performing at a wide receiver 2 level That's my pick I think he'll be really good because I don't trust Steve Smith And I think even if Steve Smith gets back out there He's probably going to get injured again before the season ends and I, I don't think he should even play again this year I'll be honest I know it, it sucks to end on an injury but this is ridiculous Steve
0: yeah I don't know why he I mean never mind I know why he wants to come back but I don't know what he thinks he's actually going to accomplish like uh, from a realistic standpoint well you he's know, super he's competitive. Still, he's still injured and stuff like yeah he can't he's got to understand that like his body isn't gonna heal the same way it's not gonna be the same anymore right he doesn't he doesn't seem like the kind of guy you know he's He's known as like a really fiery guy, but I know that he's a very smart player because he does all that on purpose to, you know, to either fire him up or his teammates or to mess with the other team. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who wants to end his career by being bad. He just saw Peyton Manning do that and like he knows that this team isn't going to like
1: luck its way into a Super Bowl. Is that some kind of Colts pun? Not at all. That's yeah, the opposite of that probably. <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> Well, I I happen to like Baltimore a little bit because I like the Dirty Birds rivalry with the Steelers. I liked it when they won the Super Bowl and they were kind of unexpected. I like when Flacco has those games where he scores like three or four touchdowns and you're like, what what's going on here? Like, we know that they have talent, but they haven't put it together. And just the fact that, like I said, they have seven tight ends on their roster means that they are screwed up in the head because they should be loading on, uh, you know, talent of a different position. Um, so... I don't think that they'll do too well this year because they're just kind of in flux, um, and I think they're they're kind of waiting for Steve Smith to go away for for one of their wide receivers to turn into something good. All their only real component that they have is Joe Flacco,
0: right? And they'll continue to ride Joe Flacco, who was at one time the highest-paid
1: quarterback in the league, um, unnecessarily so. Well, he did win a Super Bowl, and he, like he is, he not, doesn't get injured, like you know.
0: Nobody else gets a hundred. 30 million dollars for winning a super bowl i don't know why joe flacco is so much different
1: i don't know they they love the guy he's yeah. gonna
0: stay there he's gonna play well he's gonna be their guy you know
1: i guess them. it's because it's better to have a guy who like at least he, he can do that as opposed and to the having, fans will
0: always be behind him
1: as opposed to having like the other half of the league which is just a crap quarterback or, or a constantly rotating quarterback door. That's the worst. They were like,
0: well, we're familiar with
1: Andy Dalton. He's above the Andy Dalton line. Let's keep him. Well, as Auntie in the chat room says that he's an every other year quarterback, which means that he'll be good this year. And I don't, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, we'll, we'll see. Th- those stats have no place in our discussion, let's be honest. But, <laughs> but it turns out that trends like that do exist sometimes.
0: Right, and coincidentally so, for the most part.
1: Maybe, you know, maybe. Um, so let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, so the Bengals lost uh, a couple guys, and uh, one of those was uh, Marvin Jones. A wide
0: receiver, and one of them was a wide receiver. Another one of them was a wide receiver.
1: So so Marvin Jones and uh, Mohamed Sanu left, and they signed deals with the Lions and the Falcons. And it was funny about Marvin Jones, actually, because the word on the street was that the Marvin Jones was actually offered a huge contract, same as uh, they were offered offering in Detroit, for five years and $40 million. But then they, he's just like, I don't want to keep playing on the Bengals, <laughs> so, which uh, Detroit's not uh, the best option. But, but what that means, I guess, is that he can go try to shine there as opposed to always being in the shadow of A.J. Green. And since Calvin Johnson had already left at that point, uh, he's gets to kind of share the spotlight with Golden Tate, as opposed to, again, being in the background.
0: Yeah, one of them can totally just steal the spotlight. Well, Although I think that, especially Golden Tate being from uh, Notre Dame, you know, right there in the area, uh, there probably is a lot of, you know, push for Golden Tate just as a fan favorite.
1: Well, Tate is better than Marvin Jones in football so far. At football, I mean, he's, he's been great, especially when Calvin Johnson was out and already familiar with the, see, the scheme and the system.
0: Especially when referees are awarding him touchdowns he didn't catch.
1: But, but Tate's going to be, uh, Tate's going to be uh, I think, the slot guy and sometimes on the outside, whereas Marvin Jones will be the outside guy and the sort of main receiver. So we'll see uh, who Stafford favors. But I have a feeling that they're going to end up both doing pretty well in an offense where they, they pass the ball a bunch. Now with Jim Bob Cooter,
0: well let's let's move back to the Bengals what so let's move back to the Bengals okay but anyway I mean you know because they don't have any wide receivers right now so do you think that Tyler Boyd, the, the rookie will actually um, be a factor this year? I think that he's like worth taking a flyer on at the end of the draft because we know that the there's room at you know on this team for a second wide receiver for a second target
1: No Brandon LaFell is their second wide receiver. And I think he'll, he'll solidly take that role up. He's done pretty well on teams in the past. He was injured last year, and so he should scoop up that role again as the number two on the on the Bengals.
0: You're going to write off his last year to injury. You don't think he was just bad? No. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't. I was not sold on him at all last year. Well,
1: he was also on the Patriots, and a Patriots team is where they have the most confusing wide receiver schemes of all time. So
0: yeah, but it's also the kind of team where like if you're playing well. You know, if you're good at all, then you can, like, have a chance to produce. He wasn't even as good as Danny Amendola, who we make fun of for not really being worth it, worthwhile.
1: They say that LaFell's been doing well in training camp. He's put up good stats in the past on teams. You know, like uh, when he was playing with New England, for example, in 2014, he had seven touchdowns and almost 1,000 yards. When he was on Carolina, he was pretty consistent with around four or five touchdowns, 600-plus yards. There's no reason why he can't fill a WR2 position. I mean, the guy's not an old guy. Uh, he was injured for five games last season, uh, and they said it was somewhat of a lingering injury, like maybe he was being put in too quickly. I just have a an issue with the Patriots scheme in general. Like, remember Reggie Wayne got signed by the Patriots, and then he quit because he's like, I, I can't handle the way that you're treating the wide receivers. <laughs> so I, I think he just didn't want to learn a new playbook. Well, then why did he join the team?
0: Well, because he didn't realize how complicated the playbook
1: was. But my point is, it's the most complicated. Right. So it doesn't mean you're a bad wide receiver because you didn't excel for a year in their offense. Anyway, I, I like LaFell, and I don't think that Tyler Boyd can excel immediately or anything like that. So for me, they do have to have additional uh, people in the passing attack, and that's going to end up being Giovanni Bernard and then, of course, uh, Tyler Eifert. Um, or
0: Who's going to be out for like the first month of the season.
1: Uh yeah, so so you're gonna see, uh I guess whether it is Brandon LaFell or Tyler Boyd or or whoever, but I think we're gonna lean really a lot on Giovanni Bernard and the running game and AJ Green. And I mean let's be let's be honest, that's that's what uh, the Cincinnati Bengals used to be before. It was AJ Green gets almost every target. Um uh, some of them go to the tight end and some of them go to the running back. So if Cincinnati goes back to being what Cincinnati used to be before these other guys stepped up to the plate anyway, it's not really going to be that different. It's the same quarterback. It's the same wide receiver. It's the same shit.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the offensive coordinator's gone, but I suppose they're probably going to be running pretty much the same offense still.
1: Uh, Cleveland Brown, you wanted to talk about earlier because it, they includes RG3. Robert Griffin III, who was so uh, unceremoniously dumped by Washington um, because he just was afraid. He looked like a kind of a crybaby out there. He wasn't doing well at all. Um, then Washington had this big quarterback shuffle. They ended up with Kirk Cousins. Um, and I guess that's worked out okay for them. I think it, the, the scheme and the coaching matters a lot for quarterbacks. But I do think that RG3 has lost his sort of athletic step Um, which made him the amazing quarterback that he was the first season that he played. So now, after years of being forced into trying to be a pocket passer, what is he going to be? Is he going to be a pocket passer? Is he going to be some kind of weird hybrid uh, between... A guy who might roll
0: out left and right. I I don't know, maybe more like a Tyrod Taylor role where you're running a lot less than um, some of the other running quarterbacks. Um, But you're right, he needs to... Like, learn how to pass the ball better.
1: But he's been trying to do that for years, so it really confuses me as to why he would get another chance here. Uh, I suppose for them they said might as well take a chance on him cheap then continue with Josh McCown, who's, you know, an aging quarterback, uh, even though Josh McCown did pretty spectacularly for them for a couple of months. Um,
0: Well, they're going to get Josh Gordon back, so, you know. All their problems will be solved once he's back.
1: <laughs> well, maybe not, as we but, know. But it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting discussion about Cleveland because they have uh, Corey Coleman, who's a first round draft pick, who is said to be really excelling in camp. They have Terrell Pryor, who used to be a quarterback, now is a super athletic guy, uh, who is is lining up right now as their number one or number two wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see a lot of him in preseason, and he's going to be insane. Because when he gets the ball, he runs for a touchdown. You remember when he played uh, against the Steelers? and like, it, was one, it was one of the first plays, I think, or something. And he literally just, like, uh, just hiked the ball and then just ran like 85 yards.
0: <laughs> I do remember that play.
1: He's such an athletic guy that as long as he can catch the ball... I mean, he was a quarterback, he was a receiver, he's got uh, skills and he's got sort of a little bit of brain power. So between Corey Coleman, Terrell Pryor and, uh, and Josh Gordon, you've got a lot of guys there that can, that can really help out, uh, as far as wide receivers. Also there's, uh, there's Gary Barnage and Gary Barnage is someone who no one really even knew his name until last year. And he became a top 10 tight end and
0: he became a top five tight end.
1: It well, was impressive. Well, both statements are true, right?
0: <laughs> well, one of those is much more like, you know, the, the top of the tight end is so much higher than the rest of it.
1: Well, I think the, the point is that, that he was uh, getting all these passes um, sort of not because of but in spite of his quarterback situation because he did have uh, Johnny Manziel and Josh McCown and a couple other guys that kind of rotated in and out throughout the season. So if a guy like that can be counted on and depended on by multiple quarterbacks and seem to do well regardless of the situation that he's in, then it stands to reason that he would do well with RG3 as well. Um, so I think that Gary Barnage is still a good guy to, uh, to grab. But I don't know what his ADP looks like. A lot of times, these guys that do really well and are kind of flash-in-the-pan guys, their ADP will be too high. You go and grab him, and then he's useless.
0: Well, his ADP right now is 88. Uh, he's the eighth tight end going. So it's, I don't know, he's still a top 10 with a quarterback who he's never played an NFL game with. So uh, that that is kind of sketchy.
1: Well, exactly my point. You don't, you don't have any real background on their situation, their relationship. Um, and he is a guy that has only had one good season, so it's tough. It's tough to do that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, in previous years, his high was 13 catches. Last year, he had 79, so yeah. you know, I, I think it all comes down to the fact, it comes down to is he going to be a part of the offense? If he is going to get the targets, it looks like he's going to make the catches. So, you know, can R, does RG3 want to throw to him? Uh, he did have some success throwing to Jordan Reed when they were playing together when he was still starting in Washington. Jordan Reed is
1: a superior talent
0: to Gary Barnage.
1: I know, but I'm just saying he wants to throw to the tight end position because he's getting rushed and he's he's uh um, he's Gotta afraid dump and like he doesn't want to run, but if he starts running more etcetera then he's not going to he's not going to want to do that. But we'll see. I I do think that Gary Barnage is a decent pick at the end of the at the end of the draft. I just don't know if I could do it in like I said the ninth round.
0: Here's a fun statistical anomaly. In 2012, he has 6 receptions on
1: 5 targets. Uh right. Well, that's the <laughs>
0: He accidentally caught a ball that was not meant for him.
1: That's exciting stuff. (laughs) Um, And they also have Andrew Hawkins. um, So we'll see how they do with those guys.
0: Andrew Hawkins loves making uh, uh, YouTube videos. I know that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, as far as the running back situation is concerned, you have Isaiah Crowell, who uh, should do pretty well along with Duke Johnson. So those are two guys, again, that, that everyone was sort of... Unsure about hands up in the air Blah 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 But this team has a a decent defense Decent running Uh, The problem I think that they have right now Is they have uh, these A weird wide receiver core It's either rookies or inexperience Or flash in the pan Or it just It's not There's not like guys that are solid there So
0: It will be interesting to see like If it does end up being like Josh Gordon and Terrell Pryor like being their wide receivers in Week 8 through the rest of the season.
1: Well, they could be awesome if the quarterback play is there.
0: Right. And you know what? If Griffin is ineffective, I'm sure that they'll go to McCown because they're not going to, like, they don't have somebody that they want to really develop right now. RG3 is that guy. And I don't know that they'll let him be ineffective for a whole season like some rookies are allowed to be.
1: Yeah, I, they did just uh, draft a quarterback this year, but it's probably a... This
0: is a third-round pick, so, you know, it, it's a project.
1: Sure. It's probably a quarterback that, that will take a couple of years or just for depth on the, on the machine.
0: Yeah, and he'll get some
1: uh, action in the preseason. So, we will see, of course. Um, now, dun-dun-dun. Are we talking about the Steelers? All right. So, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, um, what is there to talk about? We have Le'Veon Bell, who may or may not be suspended. It's funny that the, um, uh, the latest news that was out there said that the Steelers organization was like, yeah, we don't think he's going to be suspended. So they just keep going back and forth between like, this is going to happen. This is not going to happen. We think it is. We don't think it is. Uh, the ESPN correspondent said the, the Steelers are pretty confident that he will play in week one and that doesn't really happen. Usually the Steelers organization and Mike Tomlin are the ones who will be the most conservative about things, won't say uh, what they really feel. So if they're saying that, it just it's weird.
0: Yeah, but the team is also usually going to try and support their player. Not
1: the Steelers. They won't they won't say he's going to play week 1. They'll say we'll they see what happens. They said
0: that they're confident that he's going to play
1: week they 1. They don't say that. That as as a fan of the team, they say uh, things like we'll see what happens. We'll go from there.
0: He also just said that's what the Steelers are telling us. They didn't quote just one player.
1: I, w- I don't think it's as rock solid. Well, without. I've I've looked into this already, but but yes, you're right. This isn't a quote that directly comes from the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This isn't like a, the Mike Tomlin called a, a press conference to say that Bell's going to be back. Right. It's just that the the the. The sort of the news going around is weird because it's up and down. This has
0: definitely gone back and forth. Uh, so August 18th is when we'll find out what actually happens. So uh, hopefully your draft uh, will take place after that if you want to draft Le'Veon Bell.
1: Well, And it's only four games. He's still going to be worth a very high pick. It's better for you, if you're a drafter, to take him now before the... Uh,
0: if you can sneak him in the second round rather than the first.
1: He'll probably fall to, to lower than that because he'll be out for four games. So if, if you want to get him, it would be better to do it now. That way, if he doesn't get the four-game suspension, then you're going to look like a rock star. And if he does, he'll still score enough points to make the top five running backs as long as he's healthy in this, this year. Um, D'Angelo Williams, of course, will pick up the slack while he's gone. He did really well last year, and uh, he is a really solid guy to take towards the end of the draft. Um, if you are someone who is uh, into the, the handcuff or roll-the-dice kind of kind of plays. but I think that may be the best
0: handcuff out there right now.
1: Yeah, they do say that Le'Veon Bell is uh, is back 100% healthy, and he's been running and cutting and doing well in practice. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, of course, one of the best quarterbacks still in football, but the problem with him is that he doesn't have anyone to back him up. He's got... Uh, Gradkowski and Landry Jones. It sounds like Bruce is not recovering very well from his injury last year, which means that Landry is going to be... No, Gradkowski. It means that Landry would be the backup for him, and he just hasn't been that successful uh, in that role. Now, he is a younger player, so we'll see what happens, but uh, unlike some other teams, like uh, New England, for example, that has a pretty decent backup in Garoppolo, uh, some other teams that have decent backups that can play uh, the heck out of the ball... They don't have one in Pittsburgh. So then they just pretty much focus only on the running game. And because their defense isn't so good, they end up losing games.
0: So I want to know who you would rather draft, Sammy Coates or Marcus Wheaton?
1: Yeah, Sammy Coates is a a standout player. He's one of those guys that's like doing so well in practice and blowing everybody up, etc. But Marcus Wheaton will still be the guy who gets the first chances this year to do everything because he's been on the team longer, he's more experienced, he's done well more consistently uh, Sammy Coates is still going to be that third fiddle uh, unless Marcus Wheaton's not able to perform over the first couple games.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw last year that Marcus Wheaton can play very well uh, when giving an op- given an opportunity. But I feel like he is one of the main guys who we say every year, this is, this is his time, this is his year. And we almost make jokes about how, oh, well, it's not going to be because we were always wrong about it. And it, it certainly could be this year because uh, they lost um, uh, Mark- Martavis Bryant, Again, and the whole team seems to have kind of turned on him,
1: to be honest. Well, I don't know if they turned on him. He turned on his team.
0: You're right. They they, they don't, they're not going to let that shit How fly. many
1: times are you going to make plays for someone and, and try to get him involved, and then he just fucks it and up? he just
0: screws it all up, yeah. Oh, and by the way, they have a little guy named Antonio Brown, who is the consensus number one pick.
1: Yeah. And Across then, the board in ADP. He's number
0: one in every league.
1: And if we're talking about offensive moves, like they, they picked up, uh, or offseason moves, they picked up Ladarius Green in the offseason. He's still getting over a, an injury, but should be back in the first week or two of the season. And I like him to be uh, Heath Miller, but a little more move. So, I, I think he'll put up uh, as good or better stats than Heath ever did and has the opportunity to put up Antonio Gates like stats in this offense if the scheme uh, calls for it and if Todd Haley gives him the ball like that.
0: I think that it, it totally could be, you know, that he is going to have a good year, statistically speaking, uh, especially because they have just, you know, they have Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, they need another weapon there. Uh, They need someone to get third downs for them. They need uh, another red zone target. You know, Antonio Brown can be used all over the field, but he's not like a devastating red zone threat like other players are.
1: Well, they do have Sammy Coates, who's going to take some of that Martavis Bryant role. He's a big guy. He's a fast guy. He can burn people. And then they have Eli Rogers, who's my new favorite guy in the Steelers. They've been looking for a slot player, a really good slot player for a while since, uh, since kind of like Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, So Eli Rogers is a guy who's a second-year guy, and he hasn't really put up stats in Uh, the NFL yet because he was injured the previous year again another one of these guys you might have heard of last year but it doesn't matter because he didn't play anything Uh, and they've been giving him a lot of praise Um, I remember the Steelers picked up Lance Moore for a year or two and he did pretty well but he was so past his prime that they couldn't really use him the way they wanted to so I guarantee you see Eli Rogers getting some of those third down nice you know eight yard passes Um, and same with Marcus Wheaton if he can if he can really step it up this year
0: do you see Fitzgerald Toussaint getting any action with Le'Veon Bell out?
1: No, it's it's D'Angelo Williams it's or it's Williams. Le'Veon Bell. And I think they might give well, the no combination of either. Of well, the they might give D. Wills like a series or two now this year. They didn't really do that at all last year. But because they know that he did so well, they might end up giving him a little bit. But the Steelers have always, under Mike Tomlin, wanted to run a guy because they feel like the longer he runs in that game, then the better he's gonna be. Um, to, to just turn someone off and on doesn't seem like the best strategy. Right, and
0: that, that's sort of a, a football adage, really, is to you keep giving the ball to the same guy and he'll get better and better throughout the game.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so that's what I think about them. I, I, I think that they shouldn't really have a problem winning that division, especially with the problems with the Bengals and the Ravens. Uh, but I do think that Cleveland might present some issues if they can click everything together. I just don't see a team like Cleveland going from 3 and 13 to suddenly you know above 500 and making the playoffs. That will would be difficult to comprehend for me.
0: Will Cincinnati win the division again?
1: No, I don't think Cincinnati can win anymore. They don't have enough wide receivers. And they, they lost some uh, defensive players as well, so yeah, I think this
0: uh, is the year they're back out.
1: I mean, the th- fantasy wise, they could score you tons of points, and AJ Green and Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill and and all those guys. Andy Dalton might have another good year, but just because they can score you a bunch of points doesn't mean they're going to win, uh, you know, in, in a the bunch. NFL.
0: Right. I mean, look at the Bills. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of fun there, but not a lot of winning. Maybe.
1: Well, they are eight and eight. They did pretty well this year, but any team that's not above 500, they, they go back and, and smash themselves in the head probably because that's not what they're trying to do out there. They're not trying to be a 500 team. Nobody right. tries to be a 500 team unless they're the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> that would be an uptick for those guys.
0: Yeah, that would be better than average.
1: Uh, exactly. So uh, let's, let's move on to uh, the next division. A, it's a Foo Fighters day over here. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, let me... Uh, let you watch. Let me take a look at the uh, Houston Texans and... Uh, On per- to the AFC South. Perhaps you want to uh, chat a little bit about them after I set it up. And uh, I'm going to get myself another beer here.
0: All right. Well, uh, the Texans, um, their big acquisition in the off season is definitely... Um, brock osweiler the new quarterback that they signed from denver uh so he's huge uh right on his tail is the other big acquisition they got rid of arian foster we spoke about that earlier they've got lamar miller now so lamar miller uh in the backfield probably uh gonna get a majority of the carries i could totally see that uh they've got brock osweiler who did go five and two with denver last year even though you know you gotta take that with a grain of salt because they had a great defense but um, and then DeAndre Hopkins, who may be the most talented wide receiver in the league, uh, when we're talking about you know the very top end guys, he is in there in terms of talent, if not production uh, because he's kind of suffered from being on you know having not as good of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, as always, don't forget our favorite guy uh, who sits there at probably the number three wide receiver position, Cecil shorts.
1: Yeah. who uh, unfortunately, I don't think is going to be, um uh, such a a participating member of this team for that much longer because Cecil keeps having these lingering injuries and they just drafted a ton of wide receivers this year um it's funny in my dynasty team I drafted like all of them I'm like I'm not sure which one's going to be the number 2 so I'm just going to take all of them
0: yeah they have Will Fuller in the first round Braxton Miller in the third round and then a whole bunch of um guys who weren't drafted uh, but they signed at the end of the draft you know Tevin Jones Wendell Williams Quentin Bundridge, Um, so a bunch of guys I haven't really even heard of. But I I do expect Will Fuller uh, to play well. I expect Jalen Strong, last year's rookie, to step up and really fill that second wide receiver position. I do believe that officially now he is the the number two guy.
1: Yeah, that's that's the news that just came out, and uh, he... He was doing really well this year. I guess he wasn't really committing last year, and it's funny because he's got, I think he only has a couple receptions for, for like two touchdowns from last year because he caught a couple Hail Marys. So he's got some pretty good stats on him from last year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, back to the running back position, Lamar Miller, I do expect him to be, you know, an every week starter for fantasy teams. Alfred Blue is a very capable backup. He's a good uh, handicap, you know, if that's what you're looking for this year, if you need depth in a in a league with a lot of teams in it or in a league with a very deep roster. Alfred Blue is a good second running back to pick up. Um, if only because, you know, if Lamar Milligan doesn't work out for some reason, they will turn to blue for a majority of the carries. Or if he gets injured, they'll definitely use blue.
1: I like Tyler Irvin. Uh, he's, he's their new kind of third down, uh, passing back, special down guy. But he's not, he's not the, the lead back number one dude. So you're right. Although Alfred Blue's uh, yards per carry have never been good. Uh, he's definitely the number two there.
0: I I have to admit I have no idea who Tyler William Tyler who
1: Tyler Irvin Irvin. He, he's not
0: even on like he's not even on the list I'm looking at.
1: Well, I'm not sure what you're looking at, but he's a rookie, fourth round rookie from this particular year, and uh, they they expect him to contribute with carries, catches, and returns. So it sounds like he'll get some work in the backfield. Uh, he'll be doing uh, some random stuff. Okay,
0: I see. Yeah, he's listed as a returner.
1: Um, but he's also probably going to be the number three running back instead of Jonathan Grimes. But, you know, it depends. on yeah, no loss there. It depends what depth chart you, you're looking at. Every year, every person, every site has a different uh, different mind of things. And and even if you look at the official depth charts, they don't mean anything yet because that's before right. preseason games have even started. Well, the
0: team's released things that, like you said, don't mean a whole lot yet. But that's hopefully what most of these places are, are working off of. Yeah. And then at the tight end position, they have C.J. Fedorowicz, um, Osweiler didn't really use tight ends last season. Uh, they don't seem to use the tight end as a very big feature of this offense, so I don't expect there to be any fantasy-relevant production there.
1: Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about um, Andrew Luck and the, and the Colts. So Andrew Luck did not do very well last year. He, he just didn't. And uh, he got injured. Obviously, that was a big part of those stats not being great, huh?
0: <laughs> that, that'll do it for you. Uh,
1: but his problem generally is that is even if even when he was good, and that's the past couple of years, I've had him in a lot of fantasy leagues, um, etc. Uh, he's always terrible in the first half of the game and only picks up later. So I don't understand why uh, he throws all these interceptions, he's really bad in the first couple quarters, and then he can suddenly pick up and do better at the end. It sounds to me like he's kind of skittish, afraid, not not really finding himself until the end of the game. And that's not a very good uh, uh, property, uh, a trait for for a quarterback to have, especially one that's literally going to be the franchise quarterback for for this team for years and years to come, unless he keeps doing bad things, I guess. But he looks pretty locked up to me. Um, so I, we think that he'll bounce back, and I think most people do. Uh, his wide receivers are pretty good. Ty Hilton has a chance to again be really awesome, uh, and he's kind of has a low ADP compared to what he's shown us that he can do. Uh, Dante Moncrief and Philip Dorsett, uh, both two guys that uh, are really liked by our uh, college rookie expert who expects that those guys to just blow up this year or next year. Um, he's been looking for it for a while. But uh, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen probably now when they don't have guys like uh, like Andre Johnson, etc., that they kind of got rid of that were just sort of in the way of, of those kinds of things happening. So young wide receivers, good wide receiver talent, Dwayne Allen now stepping up as the tight end after they got rid of Kobe Fleener, which means that Dwayne Allen has a chance to become a really incredible asset. Um, a couple of years ago, he put up great stats. And then as soon as Kobe Fleener was in the picture, they just kept splitting. And it was just a weird situation. Yeah,
0: But it, that, that situation has been cleaned up now. And Kobe Fleener is moved on to the Saints. Um, so we've got Dwayne Allen kind of all alone. In the tight end position.
1: Well, unless you count Jack Doyle, which I've never heard of before.
0: I don't count. Or Emil Iguinagu.
1: I, I don't know who that is. Never heard of that guy.
0: So just to uh, back up your uh, your theory about Andrew Luck, you know he does have a slightly better completion percentage in the first half during his career, but he has thrown 16 more touchdowns in the second half than in the first half. I
1: just don't get it. It's crazy. You
0: know, 58 compared to 42. So, yes, he's definitely uh, a much better second-half quarterback for fantasy value. Uh,
1: You've also got Frank Gore, who is still playing and will probably still approach 1,000 yards again this year, with Robert Turbin as his backup. And Jordan Todman is not, I don't think, going to be really a factor in this offense, so I think it's going to be Turbin and or Gore. So let's go with Gore as sort of the uh, 70% carry guy. Uh, But we do know that Turbin can do good things. He did on Seattle. Um, He just didn't get a lot of playing time there ever. He only had about 80 rushes per year. Um, And he only had a maximum of 19 receptions uh, in the backfield. So I I kind of like the idea of Robert Turbin becoming the running back there on the Colts. And I think Gore is one injury away from being done with the game.
0: Yeah, but he'll probably get another you know eleven hundred yards this year and prove us all wrong again. Well, Cause he, that's what Frank Gore does.
1: He already finished out of the thousand yards last year. Only just. I, I know, but if you look at the statistics, you see that it's going down the yards per game. It is
0: The yards per carry is finally slipping. Yeah, uh, it was the first season he finished below four in his entire career. Right, uh, and he still had you know two hundred and sixty carries. So this guy's had a lot of work on him. Um, you're right, I mean, it's about time he broke down
1: But, like you said, every time we say that He ends up running for a thousand yards We and... just
0: give him more power <laughs> He's 33 this year He's going to be like the, one of the oldest running backs in the league
1: So it just keeps happening And it keeps happening But I like the idea, I guess I should say uh, Of Robert Turbin being the guy there Because I think he could do well And I think he never really got the chance uh, In Seattle uh, So, I mean, they don't really have any other options I, I don't believe in Jordan Todman as a running back Uh, I don't think they have anybody else on that team. I doubt they do either. Yeah. Um, So uh, besides that, we have the Jaguars, which is a really fun team to talk about. One of my favorite teams to to watch and to discuss um, year after year. We have a lot. I guess we should always kind of start with the quarterback position since they're the the, uh, That's where it all starts. Yeah, so they're the guys that control the offense. And unless unless you have a really bad quarterback and a great running back, in which case it could sort of be swapped. Out. <laughs> um, but... they the haven't ja- gotten to the 49ers yet. Interesting stat, the Jaguars scored 35 first-quarter points in 2015. So, again, <laughs> they, they are another team that kind of got blown out a lot early or at least scored against so that the Jaguars definitely had to... They had to go and 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 just chuck the ball, right? He's only played for two years, so this will be his third year. And for a third year guy to throw thirty five touchdowns is is just awesome. You know, four thousand four hundred and twenty eight yards and thirty five touchdowns with eighteen interceptions. That's still a lot of interceptions, but you know what? But it's not bad at all.
0: That ratio is decent for a guy who's that young. You know, usually you look at that ratio, and it, sometimes those players are up around one to one. But he was basically two to one. Uh, anytime you're two to one, you know, you're you're showing great improvement.
1: Yeah, and he also had two rushing touchdowns. So I mean, it's I like Bortles as a player. I like the offense. Over, I think we're kind of uh, overestimating what's going to happen this year because of how good it was last year. You look at guys like uh, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. They really just tipped the scales last year with how many uh, receiving touchdowns that they got and uh, the opportunity that they had to get them, but the Jaguars have stepped up their defense, which means that you know they're not necessarily going to be you know chucking the ball downfield every single play because they might be leading the game and they picked up Chris Ivory, so now they have Chris Ivory and T.J. Yeldon in a tandem to to get them their uh, their first downs and to beat the clock. They didn't have that last year.
0: Boy, you're not kidding. So. The score differential split for Blake Bortles is almost comical. While leading or tied, he has only scored seven touchdowns in his career. While trailing, he has 39 touchdowns.
1: Right. So so I think the idea is we should expect a little bit of, uh, you know, back to, uh, back to the median. Like there should be some regression to the mean. But it doesn't have to be a lot. This team can still score a lot of points. They have Julius Thomas, if you remember, who didn't even get that involved last year. But he's a great tight end. So now they have... Um, some great young wide receivers. They have some great running backs. They have a, a, a really nice developing talent in Blake Bortles. They have a good experienced uh, and proven tight end. They have pretty much every piece that you need to have a great team. And they picked up their defense. So with all of that said, uh, how do they do in this division? Um, Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tennessee, I think they can win the division or at least you know be right up there with the Colts. Um, that's my opinion.
0: Uh yeah you know I like their you know their chance to improve. However I'm not so certain that uh, kind of like you know the Browns and I don't think they're as bad as the Browns, but uh, they have a long way to go and I don't think that they're going to be necessarily like a team that's well over 500 or even a team that is going to be uh, you know even sniffing at a playoff spot during the year. You know they were five and eleven last year. They improved from. Uh, what, 3-13 and 13 the year before or something like that? Yeah,
1: the difference is that I, I look at, you know, uh, the team and how well the players did individually, and I see a lot uh, more consistency. There is, there's a
0: lot of good there, and
1: I love the wide receiver core. I think it's one of the best two,
0: top two in the league. Um, and, you know what, if this team goes 8-8, eight and eight, then they're one of the couple teams in the league that could go 8-8 eight and eight and say, we did something good, we're building on what we've got. You know, let's go from there.
1: Right. So they'll be fun to watch. You know, I think we both like the Jaguars and and they uh, are a sneaky team, but you're right. You don't generally go from uh from 5 and 11 to uh, you know, 11 five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tennessee Titans, interesting team. Uh, Mariota is going to be fantastic. He was really good last year. he, he threw for almost 3,000 yards and 19 touchdowns. He had two touchdowns on the ground and he had a couple of really good rushes. Now they're saying that he's going to rush more, which is kind of what he did in college uh, and kind of let up the uh, um, what the coach was imposing on him, which was a little bit of a restriction, uh, which would be good. Uh, and they do have some good names out there uh, Kendall Wright is is got some issues right now it looks like uh, there's there's an MRI that just recently showed that he had flu in his lungs or something like that so it might be a while before that guy can be hundred percent that's too bad but they did just get Richard Matthews in the offseason from the Dolphins and he he did surprisingly well uh, kind of Kendall Wrightish, you know great. So like a slot receiver that catches a billion balls. Um, and they've got this new guy, Sharp, that I'm not that familiar with, so I'm watching him in the preseason. Now, they did pick up uh, Andre Johnson, who I don't expect anything from except for veteran presence, but that might be good for guys like oh. Doriel Green Beckham, who is supposed to be just...
0: Point of order. Uh, Rashard Matthews um, is on
1: the Titans. Yeah, we're talking about the Titans.
0: Oh, you went over the Titans? I'm sorry. I still I, I'm still on the Jaguars like looking up Jaguars things. Sorry.
1: No <laughs>
0: Cuz I'm like no, it's Rashad Green, not Rashad Matthews.
1: No. So uh as I was saying, uh, welcome to uh Planet Titan over okay. here. Uh so what I was saying Let's was go on to if you hadn't heard that uh uh, they've got Delaney Walker, great ball catcher. Uh, they've got Rashard Matthews now, great ball catcher. Kendall Wright used to be exactly the same, but he has some injury concerns and he's not healthy yet. Um, but him and Sharp, uh, Tajay Sharp, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. He is a guy that was uh, just recently acquired from, uh, for Tennessee. And he projects to be uh, the starter along with Rashard Matthews uh, for opening you know preseason games. So we'll see how they do. But what I do like about this team is DeMarco Murray having the chance to, uh, to run and be healthy and have a scheme designed for him. And you know he did okay last year, but there were issues still. Um, they might be able to put it together this year uh, and, and do some damage. But again, they're not a team that's going to immediately make it to playoffs or anything like that. What they are is a really young team with really good talent. The fact that Doriel Green Beckham is, is not even one of like the, you know, uh first starting wide receivers right now, and he could end up being one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, that would improve the team probably the most. What's that? Is by him actually playing up to his talent
0: level, up to where he's supposed to be, to, you know, be the AJ Green uh to uh Marcus Mariota.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so he has to step up. He's only 23 years old. And I think earlier, um, right before you tuned in, was uh, um, we were talking about Andre Johnson and the fact that they signed him, but really just as a veteran presence. Yeah, and him I think, and Harry
0: Douglas, you know, I, I don't really see them being a huge impact on the team.
1: And I think, well, I do, because I think Andre Johnson will really help out guys like Doriel Green Beckham because they're all young. On the field. They need the old guys out there. They need them, You know, yeah, yeah like
0: in the locker room, they need to help them.
1: Through stuff, but I don't think that they're going to be the ones producing. Well, I certainly didn't say that, and I don't think that. I just uh, it's important to have the experienced guys out there because right before this, all they had was just young wide receivers running around. There's there's really no uh, no presence there to to bring them and rein them in. So it's nice to see that. Um, so I do like Tennessee, uh, you know and. They had some pretty good games last year that were surprising, but they finished 3-13. and So we're kind of looking at this as a situation, again, like the Cleveland Browns. Um, and, of course, this happens, right? Because you're a team like Cleveland, like the Jaguars, like the Titans, who finishes towards the bottom of the league, and so you get to pick up some of the best guys in the draft. And now we're looking at these teams as kind of having a, a little bit of an upward tick. Uh, they're still not going to beat teams like the Colts and the Steelers. <laughs> They're not uh, there yet, but uh, but it should be nice to watch them, and it might be interesting to see what teams take their place, you know, in the next couple of years as the bottom of the barrel, because I don't think that they're going to be there in a couple of years.
0: Right, the Jaguars and the Titans are definitely back on the on the way up.
1: Yep. So let's uh, let's move to the uh, to the last division. That's the AFC West. I like that tune too. Uh, so the Denver Broncos, the team that just won the Super Bowl last year in 2015, they are an amazing team, a good talent, especially the defense uh, that that won the Super Bowl and a whole lot of games during the season with basically nobody like a ghost filling in at quarterback. Granted, he was Peyton Manning, but he was the worst this Peyton the Manning. Ghost of Peyton Manning. He was the worst Peyton Manning anyone's ever seen.
0: It was the crybabyist of the crybaby Manning.
1: And now, to replace Peyton Manning, we have uh, this sort of uh, this triangle of quarterbacks, none of which have actually grasped a hold of, of anything yet. In Mark Sanchez, Trevor Simeon, is that and, a butt fumble joke? And Paxton Lynch. <laughs> I actually like Mark Sanchez. I, I look at him and say he only played for a couple of years. He led the Jets multiple times to the to the AFC Conference Championship game. Uh, you know, and, and he was a, a, a rookie and a sophomore those years. Then, then he moved on afterwards and just had okay, uh, attempts when he was slotted into offenses that didn't have it all together. So if he was to go out and start, I actually think that he could lead this team to the playoffs again, because he's a better quarterback than Peyton Manning was last year. But any of these guys probably are. I mean, I don't know that much about Trevor Simeon, and I don't think that he's going to end up really being in the equation. But when you look at what the pundits are saying right now and the beat reporters, they're, they're literally saying that, that Mark Sanchez uh, and Trevor Simeon are sort of neck and neck for who's going to be the starter role, and Paxton Lynch is going to be that guy who sits behind them all year. I think it's more likely, from my perspective, that Sanchez starts and Lynch will start playing at the end of the year if Sanchez doesn't get it together.
0: Right, so Sanchez is starting week one preseason game. They've already announced that Lynch will be taking over in the second half. But yeah, it's going to take a whole lot for Lynch to actually uh, start significant games this year. It's going to be Mark Sanchez.
1: Yeah, and uh, as far as running backs are concerned, they have C.J. Anderson, Ronnie Hillman again. Uh, C.J. Anderson projects to be the number one running back, but he did last year too. Do you remember uh, we had him as uh, the number one overall pick in standard leagues and see where where that got us. Hopefully C.J. doesn't get injured this year because the slightest injury to him is like a death knell.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's not a good thing for uh, running backs, that's for sure, but you know what? When when he's around, when he produces, he's very good. His yards per carry in his career is 4.8. And that's, that's very, uh, you know, comfortable. It's his, it's only his fourth year, so he doesn't have uh, too many carries under him.
1: I agree, but remember that his quarterback was Peyton Manning. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of Last stuff. Last year's Peyton Manning. Well, and before that, there was Peyton Manning. Yeah,
0: but he was good before that. Yeah, but,
1: like but he, he had Peyton Manning as his quarterback. And this, what I'm saying is people were afraid of Manning. So it, it opens also, up the box for the for the running back. Sure. I'm not saying he can't be a good running back. I'm saying when you have a legend as your quarterback, people are going to be uh, moving their guys away from the box as opposed to stacking it. Yeah. Um, and then Ronnie Hillman it just seems like a guy who, who could always almost get there but is not really good enough to, to grab a hold of that position. So C.J. should have it unless he gets injured again. Um,
0: yeah, if you're looking for a guy out of this backfield, it's going to be C.J. Anderson
1: Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, both outstanding receivers. They've done really well. But Demarius Thomas was not very successful last year, uh, even though he was drafted at a very high ADP. Emmanuel Sanders should succeed regardless of what happens or what situation he's in. He's that kind of guy. He can catch anything. He can get open. Uh, But Thomas is dependent on the quarterback relationship and whether or not he's getting double teamed. So for him, it's really going to depend on, on how well Sanchez, if he starts, and C.J. Anderson do. Because if they're decent players, Thomas should be able to get open all the time.
0: Yeah, and I don't really see any value there at tight end. There's nobody on the team that knocks my socks off.
1: I've liked Garrett Graham in the past, but again, if, if this offense is not going to, uh, if it's not going to pass to those guys, then it's not going to happen. I've heard people say that Virgil Green it could be a standout, but Denver just hasn't been passing to the tight ends, and I don't know that I've seen anything that says they're going to change that. But uh, as far as uh, as offseason moves, uh, obviously Peyton Manning retiring is the big one, uh, and and nothing else has been super impactful um, on the offensive on side the of offense. the ball.
0: Yeah, it sounds like Akeem um, Tlaib is... Uh, headed for a suspension.
1: Yeah, uh, like eight games or something?
0: Yeah, possibly. But they still have uh, Chris Harris. Uh, They've got Von Miller re-signed. So, you know, they still have almost everybody from that, you know, offense back.
1: Well, they should still have a a great defense. Sorry, their defense. Um, That's one of those things, though, because at Denver, you know, they could beat you 14 to, to 10, and they don't have to put up a whole lot of points. Mark Sanchez might have games where he throws for 200 yards and a touchdown, and then he's not really starter-worthy starter on your team. That sounds Sanchez-y. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. We only have a couple more teams before we wrap it up, and then, of course, uh, I think next week we'll bring in the NFC information, which will be fun. Uh, my favorite guy on the Chiefs, who's always been... Uh, since Thomas Jones and him played back in the days was uh, Jamal Charles. Jamal
0: Charles.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And now he's healthy again. He's going to come back and lead the charge once more. What's interesting is that they do have guys that they've proven last year after Jamal Charles got injured, Spencer Ware and Sharkhandrick West, that are good at different things. Um, But they both together kind of uh, can encompass the role that Charles had. The thing is, no one or very few people, can even approach the talent of Jamal Charles as a football player. So as long as Charles is there and starting, he's going to get the majority of the carries and the receptions in the backfield, and he's basically 70% of the Kansas City Chiefs' offense. So as long as he's the guy, he's the guy. And that's just how it's going to work. He has
0: a career average of 5.5 yards per carry.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: It's incredible. You know, It's way above everyone else. He's never had a season below 5.0.
1: He had one like six something, right?
0: Six point nine in uh, two thousand eleven. But I, sorry, we got to throw that one out because he only had twelve carries there. <laughs> but six point four the year before on two hundred and thirty carries.
1: Yeah, that's pretty killer, man. Yeah. Uh, we know uh, Travis Kelsey; uh, he's going to be a guy who is uh, continued to get better and better. He's still a young tight end, and on this uh, team, he's a guy that that um, Alex Smith can pitch the ball to, and he can run for fifteen yards every time. Great guy if you need a first down. Great guy for clutch plays. He's going to keep being that guy. Elksmith
0: that, gets better every year.
1: Sure. I, and that's all quarterbacks should get better every year. But right? he
0: does. He actually does. I see it every year. He gets a little bit better.
1: Yeah, and, and you're going to see that, again, uh, because you've got Jeremy Macklin, as long as he's healthy, who's going to be a, a wonderful receiver for them, uh, because you can't guard Jamal Charles and Travis Kelsey and, J- and Jeremy Macklin. It's kind of like when uh, when Macklin was back on the Eagles, you know, and they had uh, Macklin and LaShawn McCoy and, um, uh, what's his face, he's on the uh, Washington Redskins now?
0: Deshaun Jackson. Yeah,
1: so when you have those three guys, you got that triple threat. Um, it's impossible to, to guard them all. You have to pick, which means that every time Alex Smith can get better as a quarterback and uh, better at identifying those open guys and what's going on in the in the offense, or uh, defense, rather, then he's going to be able to nail that. So I, I think that Jeremy Macklin will continue his stats from last year, and the Chiefs have a really good shot if they can remain healthy, of course, uh, to to do what they couldn't do last year and make it all the way to the... To the championship game,
0: yeah, they. I think that they will definitely make the playoffs again. I think they're a very good uh, contender. You know, almost a shoe in for a wild card early in the season. Um, but you know, Jeremy Macklin, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Jamal Charles having those three different targets for the quarterback is gonna. You know, not all teams get that. Even teams with great uh, players on them don't always have somebody at all three positions who are very good, uh, who can take the ball on any play. Um, so, you know, I think that Alex Smith is going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities this year to do well, and he'll be a serviceable backup slash, uh, two quarterback league guy.
1: Uh, he could be, I, the thing about Smith, right, is that he had good stats, but he had a couple of games where he had like four or five touchdowns. So they kind of pads there's, there's, there's a lot of games where he only got the 180 yards and. You know uh, and one or two touchdowns that aren't good enough to be a starter. So that's the problem with him is that I like him. he's a consistent guy, but you know he, he wants to win the game and and he doesn't have any receivers besides macklin. so if if macklin is being tied up, nothing's gonna happen in the in the receiving game.
0: Only five games with more than one passing touchdown.
1: Right. That's not good. So not you, for a quarterback. You can't have him as a as a starter every week. Like you said, two quarterback league maybe, but he's a tough he's a tough call in in football ease in football speak. I think he's great. I think this team is great, but it's a tough one to count on. Uh, let's talk about the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders, are friend Tad's uh, favorite team, and uh, again a young team. I like when these teams are are rebuilding and they do so poorly that they get all these good pieces, put them together, make something out of it. So now this team has Amari Cooper. Real standout. Did amazingly as a rookie last year. And he's going to come back and and continue to do just as good. He had over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. This year he'll probably have, what, 1,208 touchdowns or something. Just, you know, continuing to go up.
0: He's an outstanding young talent. It'll be one of those second-year breakouts for sure. Yeah, Like in terms of... Really being known everywhere. Not well, just, he's already
1: broken out, so <laughs> yeah, not
0: just obscure, you know, fantasy people, but he'll be he'll be a common name around the league. I think.
1: I mean, I think he is. He was he was like the number one wide receiver drafted uh, last year. So
0: rookie, yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, Derek Carr, the the quarterback, who again has only been there for a couple of years. Continues to do pretty well. Latavius Murray, who had some issues last year, and the team in general uh, was kind of unsure about where they wanted to go with that running back position. If they wanted to to slot in other people to be in a committee with him, uh, but it looks like Murray will get the chance once again. Yeah, they're to,
0: committing to him early on.
1: To be uh, to be the you know uh, the the guy uh, in the backfield. So we'll see if that continues or not but he'll at least get the chance like you said early on in the season to prove that he is um is worthy of that um they they have michael crabtree who did pretty well last year too a little bit of a
0: breakout for him
1: well i don't know if you can say if you can say that after like having been around for so many years
0: well i mean it wasn't something that people were expecting well is how i mean that
1: He had a better year in 2012 for San Francisco. He had 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. That was his breakout year. So I don't know if you can break out and then break out again. I'm not sure how that works. I mean... (laughs) And then two years of
0: being ineffective?
1: I don't think you can just keep breaking out like every couple years. But the terminology, regardless, what you're saying is he... he Let's hope
0: he doesn't sleep for the next two years.
1: He once again... uh, um, Showed what he could do at a at a high level, and I think the problem with being in San Francisco is that San Francisco was breaking down fundamentally, <laughs> and so now he's on a on a team where they're chucking the ball, and he's the number two guy. Crabtree should continue to do well here. He's not an old receiver; he's 28. He'll be uh, 29 when the football season uh, begins, and he's six one two fifteen, athletic. Uh, played uh, all the games of the last two years, so I think he's he's probably another good pick to, to fill out the bottom of your wide receiver core, um, and again, a guy who's probably not incredibly high ADP-wise, because he's on a team like the Raiders, which kind of hides him in the shadows a little bit. Um, and then their tight end, uh, Clive Walford, who we talked about numerous times last year um, as, as somebody that, that could be a good tight end, but it, again, the scheme for the Raiders is just not there. Um, him and Michael Rivera are not getting the ball enough. They're not. They're not moving it into the game. So it's just not going to happen. There's to no them.
0: dominant pass catcher or tight end there, so it's not going to happen. And um, to go back to Crabtree, his ADP is 92, um, but he's the 30. You know, WR 37. So he is being drafted as depth at wide receiver. Right, and that's a smart pick.
1: But he could easily be your you know wide receiver two three exactly,
0: and that's why he's there as a WR four kind of.
1: What? He's a WR four. Well he he's being drafted as a WR four. Yeah. But that's not what he actually is, statistically.
0: He could be better. It's certainly in a PPR, he had eighty five catches last year.
1: Well I'm saying if you look at his stats, like where did he finish last year? He definitely wasn't the the WR four last year overall, right? Do we have those stats to look at? Uh we do. We do. I just I I like to uh to pull out some of these players that might be good sleeper picks or people for you to look at uh, a couple times because I think if you're on a a team like this or like the Jaguars like Alan Hearns last year um, they're going to have to throw the ball a bunch to catch up to these teams because they're not coming out with a lead in the beginning of the game and we've talked about this every single year we've done the podcast is that it's good to have a team uh, in most cases that is not going to come out to the lead in the beginning of the game
0: Uh, yeah for fantasy values absolutely so Crabtree was the 19th uh, most scoring wide receiver in standard scoring list.
1: Exactly. Year. So he's way outperforming his uh, ADP, right?
0: Uh oh well yeah. I mean he did last year.
1: And last year he was probably even lower than Oh uh, yeah,
0: I doubt his ADP was even on the charts last year.
1: So uh he was kind of a nobody. So another guy to look at. Um and uh let's move on to our last team I guess which is the uh the San Diego Chargers. And they were a really interesting team last year because it just felt like they kind of gave up the ghost at the end of the season. Uh, One of my favorite players, Danny Woodhead, uh, he had a really outstanding, outstanding season. Um, And I I was happy to say that we called that too during the season that he was going to go back to his 2013 numbers. He had uh, 106 rushes for 429 yards and two touchdowns that year and he had six receiving touchdowns, 76 receptions for 605. So he had around the same uh, stats for rushing, but for the receiving numbers, he actually had more catches for more yards and the same amount of touchdowns. So he outperformed his 2013 year that most people said was a fluke. Having done that now twice and still being a guy who's uh, um, you know very uh, essential in that role for the Chargers, He's 31, granted, so he's got probably another season or two, and that's it. But, being, but in
0: the way that he plays, it, it sort of lends itself to, you know, it's okay if you're a little bit older.
1: Yeah, because he's a, he's that kind of PPR back that you really want. Uh, like we were talking about in the zero running back drafts, where you're not taking anybody in the first seven or eight rounds. Uh, if you can get those guys later, it's fantastic. Now, Daddy I don't... He head
0: ADP 85, RB 34.
1: So, you're talking about picking up a guy like Woodhead as your number one or two running back after in a zero running back draft. I'm fine with that. He finished uh, what, like number nine overall in standard? Well, look at
0: the other guys around there, too. I mean, I wouldn't mind having these guys. Giovanni Bernard is 80, DeSean,
1: um, D'Angelo Williams is 82. Well, you can't take D. Wills as your number one or two running back. He
0: can't be your number one or two, but. Um, and then you got Arian Foster at 83. Uh Woodhead eighty five.
1: Foster will go up, but, but Giovanni Bernard, uh, and who's the other guy you said?
0: Uh D'Angelo well, D'Angelo Williams, but Arian Foster, uh Giovanni Bernard, Danny Woodhead.
1: Yeah, those are those are great guys who who could end up being running back ones on the schemes that they're in. Especially Foster. But like I said, I think his ADP will go up as they're all ninth round picks. People see him play in the preseason. Sure. Um so for for this team, uh Philip Rivers, who's been around forever and is still around for the foreseeable future, um, he has Keenan Allen, he has Travis Benjamin now, who was who uh, walked over there from uh, the Cleveland Browns, and uh, he has uh, Dontrell Inman, who came on r- really late last year after Stevie Johnson got injured. Stevie Johnson just got injured again, which means that Inman is, <laughs> Inman is now the number three receiver,
0: They've got James Jones, who
1: he's not going to play. Yeah,
0: you can't really wear hoodies in San Diego.
1: He didn't play for the Giants. He, unfortunately, it's just not going to happen for him. I like you said before. I think off off air, he can only play for the Packers. They're the only team that's going to put him in there. Right. Um, but Keenan Allen should be great, and Travis Benjamin is really a wild card here. I don't know how he's going to perform. Um, Hunter Henry was the top uh, tight end draft pick this year, and. San Diego picked him up, so obviously they, they need that behind Gates. How long does Gates play for, and is Gates still going to have a good season this season? He signed a
0: two-year contract. I think he'll play well for at least a year and a half of that. So he's 36. Uh, dude, I don't know. I mean, he's one of those guys who is a little bit ageless.
1: <laughs> I, I understand it, I guess. It's just crazy. You see him out there, he's got like, a little bit of a pot belly, and like he's an older dude, but he just keeps catch, just catching over motherfuckers. Just keeps catching red zone targets over and over again. Um, so the the I guess the embattlement that we have going on is uh, Melvin Gordon versus Danny Woodhead. Half of uh, the fantasy world thinks that Melvin Gordon is going to finally find his feet and uh, do really well there, and the other half thinks that Danny Woodhead will have another great year because Melvin Gordon won't find his feet and will continue to have problems with ball control and getting more than a couple yards at a time.
0: You're saying this isn't going to be the rise of Brandon Oliver?
1: Well, we saw him for a couple games. He was only good in that one. It was really good in that one, though.
0: It, two games, but only one of them where you would have had a chance to start him.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so we'll see. Um, Melvin Gordon had a surgically repaired uh, uh, knee, and um, that could be a problem for him. He got a chance last year to to go out and, and be the lead back, but he only ended up getting um, 640 yards and zero touchdowns. He didn't score a damn touchdown. No. I believe I
0: read um, some sort of news update last year along the lines of his mother isn't going to see his games because there's nothing to go see yet.
1: <laughs> well, she's not totally... I'll go see him when he's good. She's not wrong there, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but I do like Keenan Allen for the record I think he's going to continue to be really good uh, Travis Benjamin, your thoughts on him I know you owned him I think as a fantasy player On Cleveland
0: Oh he, he was one of my favorites last year, Travis Benjamin Well he
1: has a better quarterback now In, in, in a, uh, a better system um, I, I would say In the Chargers for a passing game So with all those targets to go around With Rivers slinging it, do you think that Travis Benjamin will uh, end up being A good wide receiver 2 or 3 on your team
0: um, I, I think so You know He's going to be on a team with a much better uh, quarterback. You know, last year, kind of like Gary Barnett he was able to just kind of find his way uh, into getting some uh, production regardless of who was throwing to him. Now he's going to have Phillip Rivers throwing to him. Phillip Rivers is pretty much guaranteed to throw for 4,000 yards plus and 30 touchdowns and have his interception total stay down in the teens somewhere.
1: Yeah, and so you, you've you got room, kind of like a Saints offense, for there to be three wide receivers and a tight end and a running back that, pass, that catches passes to all get uh, 80 receptions.
0: Danny Woodhead is going to, you know, his bread and butter is always going to be, you know, uh, plays that break down, end of the game sort of situation, stuff like that. Uh, for, like, you know, the middle of the game and stuff, I think Travis Benjamin is going to be uh, pretty good for these guys.
1: Well... He may suffer from that, uh, you know, d- team transplant disorder, but he himself said that he didn't want to resign with the Browns because he wanted to play with a better quarterback. So that was his whole idea was h- him getting frustrated over not playing with one of the league's better uh, um, passers.
0: And now, you know, regardless of fantasy production or what you think about the guy, Philip Rivers is one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league.
1: Yeah, everyone Everyone seems to think the worst about him, but he consistently throws for 4,000 yards or more, and so he's going to do really well because he's always done really well.
0: Right, regardless of who he's throwing to.
1: Yeah. Um. So that wraps it up. That's it for the stats. Uh, like I said, uh, next week, if you guys want to tune in, we'll be doing the NFC overview. Um, but as far as this show, I think we're finished. So I would like you guys to, to make sure and tune in to, uh, the drink five podcast going forward every Tuesday at 8 30 PM central time and check out stitcher.com and iTunes to follow drink five network and listen to our shows when you're driving or when you're walking or when you're doing anything pretty much as long as you have a good pair of headphones. (laughs) All right, we'll drink five, buddy.